0: Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I'm joined by Chris Legg and Brent Starnes. This is Reconstructed Faith. Welcome back to the Reconstructed Faith podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, alongside my partners in crime, Chris Legg, and Bryn Starns, guys, it's good to be back together. Uh, and today we are um, going to start off our conversation um, with uh, responding with some feed that excuse me feedback that we've gotten in person. Um, and we were just discussing right before we started recording uh, some other topics that we can jump into. So we're uh, we're kind of if if you've been listening fairly regularly or to our most recent episodes, we're talking a lot. Um, about uh, deconstruction and deconstructors. Um, we've also been talking about the state of the church and, um, and this whole phenomenon of de-churching uh, Chris. well, I guess we're all kind of in our, yeah, in all our all own speed mm-hmm. listening to or reading through the, the great de-churching book. Um, and, and so there's, there's been some good conversations that have come from that. And so, I'm going to throw it over to Bryn to get us started with um, some of the conversations that you were having that uh, that you thought could lead to some good dialogue.
1: Yeah. So there are several um, that I think would be really helpful to revisit a little bit and clarify and even unpack. But the first one, just kind of in order of how you know they were posted, um, was a follow up question about. The debrief of Catherine Covington's interview, which I thought was really helpful, and this was actually from a mm-hmm. couple of people. Just the last part that we covered, talking about the problem of evil and suffering, and kind of the integration of um, God being all knowing and all powerful, and, and that question. So we had several people ask us to clarify what we meant by the ro- and what we think is biblical when it comes to the role of God in specifically what he causes. So we talked about how he allows a lot of bad things to happen um, to his followers. And there's, um, I know we've covered the problem of evil and suffering before, but just kind of in a new way to um, talk about it more specifically with this context of, okay, we know that God can, God does allow bad things to happen. And he as his character is redemptive and he is the redeemer, he redeems those bad things for his glory and for his good. It doesn't mean that he makes them good. It means that he uses them um, for the good of of that person and his kingdom. And, but I think specifically the question was, okay, but when it comes to evil Mm -hmm. specifically, when it's something that is sin or we would, we would classify as evil where, what does it mean that God allows it and We know that god does cause some things in the world to happen but would were we saying that he causes evil or sin Hmm. or something in someone's life that even if it's for a good end even if it's for a redemptive end would we go that far and i think that was kind of where maybe we weren't as clear as we meant to be and several people asked for clarification so all that to say that was a good question for me to process i was telling both of you guys, um, before we started recording, just the, I think that's a good question that I may not have asked myself in that way. Like, I think I've wrestled through the problem of evil and suffering a lot, but when it comes to the question and Chris, I'm curious, um, Mm -hmm. what your thoughts are, but specifically when it comes to, okay, we know that God is all powerful and can cause things to happen, but would we say that he causes things to happen if, they are like sin or evil because I think, from what my understanding of the character of God, the character of God, we would say that's not accurate. Um, right. But it's nuanced and complex. I understand. So, yeah, what are your thoughts? Just kind of as a follow up to our conversation about that.
2: Yeah, here, let me ask. Let me ask first. So, when we're talking about evil here, <clears throat> I assume that what you're or what's being asked is about moral evil. Right. Like yes. Someone who is a moral free agent doing something evil.
1: Right. That would and would like God be classified as sin?
2: Would God cause someone to do something that? Because sin sin is a little tougher because sin is not and and we'll discuss this about evil here in a second. But you know sin is not purely just behavioral, like something that could be a sin under some conditions could also not be a sin under another condition. Right. Um, a famous example is, <clears throat> you know, typically speaking, lying is sinful. Um, but there's great debate on, would it be lying to lie to you know, German officers coming to take the Jews that you have hiding in your house? Like, or the right. way that, you know, we're supposed to obey the government, but we don't obey the government if the government Commands us to, for example, stop worshiping god mm-hmm. and so uh and so there's a there's you know we're we're not saying that you know that morals are just purely uh you know situational, but you also can't purely pull situation away from morality obviously so I, I think that's pretty obvious probably to most people um and so it's not always an easy question however let's 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 focus in on this idea of of moral evil. Would God cause me uh, instruct me either one of those? Can it be either one, instruct or cause um, I mean, me I, to do something that is morally evil? I
0: mm-hmm. mean I I mean I go back to James one as far as like James one thirteen says let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own—excuse des- l- me, lured and enticed by his own desire. Right. So. Yeah, that's one. of the I mean, things I'm thinking of. and I know that that—at least when you, wh- what we've been talking about a lot with, because uh, in our church, Chris has been teaching through First Samuel, yeah. and the Bible records, uh, just because the the Bible records sin or evil that happens. That doesn't mean that God condones it, or but are so. But am I getting off of? Am I getting a little off track? Because it's like I, I think you can say that God permits these things to happen,
2: right? But that's as far that's as causing, easy. right? I don't think anyone. I well, mean, I'm kinda, sure there are people who question, struggle with though. it. Go ahead. Or you well, I was just going to say I yeah. think it's
1: very related Colson because you know if if scripture says that he doesn't tempt anyone to sin then logically it would follow he also doesn't cause people to sin in my right. mind
2: right But if that's the case there's where our kind of natural question begins to then come in Yeah which is okay you say that but mm-hmm. then God tells Saul to wipe out the right. Amalekites
0: and so, oh, so then you're like, so what do you mean by sin?
2: So either it is not a sin for Saul to wipe out the Amalekites or God told Saul to sin. Mm-hmm. And both seem very troubling, don't they? I mean, both right. seem like, yeah. okay, so wiping out a city full of people, whatever that means. And we have we have unpacked that in other podcasts that part of the language there is something we have to always keep in mind. but. Um, because he, he, you know, the, the Amalekites were not wiped out and clearly that was an understood thing, um, in that, that, that this is war, there's a certain war language that's going on that we mm-hmm. come back to, I've come back to over and over again, the analogy of if I tell the, you know, if I tell my little league baseball team, if I'm like, guys, you just, you gotta just destroy these guys. I mean, I want you to just, just wipe them out none of those kids are probably going to show back up, you know, ready for war. They think, I mean, baseball. Hopefully, And so, yeah, exactly. And so in this situation, Saul and and whoever was there guiding Saul knew what God meant by wipe them out, which apparently meant defeat them, not literally to kill every single one of them. Um, So that's I'm not I'm not simplifying that. That's just that's one of the things we've talked about already several Mm -hmm. times is that that You've got to be aware of the type of literature that you're reading right. um, when it comes to stuff like that. Now, I, I want to go back, though, to the bigger picture, because mm-hmm. here's where I start this conversation. This is where I always start the conversation, because it seems to okay. me like the root of this conversation is, did God create evil? Um, if, if there is nothing and then God creates and later there is evil, how do you get away from the idea that God created evil? Um, it sure seems like there wasn't any evil and then God created things. And then later there is evil. How is it not that God created evil? Um, yeah. And, and my beliefs on this is that there is no such thing as evil. Um, evil is a descriptor used to describe the lack of something good. Um, It's not a thing. It's like two Mm. that you don't say there is there such a thing as two. And I would say, no, we use two to describe the frequency of something being in existence. There are two of them, but there's no such thing as two. Or you might say there's no such thing as cold. Um, There is such a thing as heat Mm. that we can measure But then we've created a word to describe the lack of that thing. Yeah. Um, So so like the same same way for darkness, maybe darkness. Yes. Darkness is another example that you can measure light and the lack of light. You can't measure dark, so to speak. Dark is not a thing. It's a word we use to describe the lack of light.
1: Right. Which God um, created light, but it doesn't say he created darkness, right? It says right. the earth was dark and then he created light.
2: Yeah, formless and without void. And by the way, if, if that is a conversation that's interesting to people, the most recent Bible Project podcasts about the serpent, understanding that for, hum- for, for Westerners, the opposite of something is nothing. This was brilliantly done by them, by the way. And the opposite of... For the Eastern thinker, for the Jewish thinker, uh, or for the ancient thinker from that region, the opposite of something is chaos.
1: Interesting.
2: And so, you know, we go, did God create chaos then? Like, no, no. Chaos means not created. Hmm. And so when you have a description like in Genesis 1 that you have these waters, these chaotic waters, Mm -hmm. and you go, oh... Well, so there was already something there. No, no, there was just chaos. Well, that's something. No, it's not.
0: Chaos it's is lack. the opposite hmm.
2: of something in their thinking, which again, we don't, that's tough for us because mm-hmm. um, yeah. we don't think in the exact same way, but, but we have to understand It feels how like they two different thought.
1: categories, like order and chaos, two separate things. Right. And yeah. so we
2: go, well, you have to have something to have order or chaos. And they would say, mm-hmm. no, chaos is the opposite of something.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and, so in, which, in
1: Hebrew, Hebrew a Hebrew understanding of Scripture once again, yes, helps clarify. Oh
2: so, yeah, a big. You know, obviously that's that's part of why we try to be sophisticated about how we dig into it. Um, so with that in mind, um, I don't think I think evil is the is this, you know, potentially this chaos. This it is something that that does not exist, um, but the potential for it exists because there is such a thing as good and there's such a thing as freedom.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so automatically you have the potential for evil. Now you wouldn't have the actualization of evil until you also then had uh, a flawed being. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so by
1: that argument or by that logic, God wouldn't have to create evil for it to exist because that's right. he did create good and freedom Right. And then the humans with the age, the agency. And then when they, the, when they chose the opposite of, or not the opposite, but the absence of good, is that how That's you would right. say
2: it? Anything, anything other than God's and C.S. Lewis is famous for this. Um, now he's not the first person who did this, but is famous for the, like he says, if he has the phrase evil, when you come to look at it is merely the seeking after something good, but in the wrong way. Hmm. Um, and, and I think he makes a very compelling case in mere Christianity that that is correct.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so there's that's a you know, that's an example of something that so when we start by saying, did God create evil? The answer would be no, God did not create evil. Now, there is such a thing as good and God is the standard um, of that goodness. So God is good because good is good, and good is good because God is good. And those are simultaneously, eternally true. Um mm-hmm. those don't cancel each other out as some people want them to. Um and so God is the only one who would know, and this is this is part of that last question, when it's okay to take a human life. Mm-hmm. Um, God is the only one with the perfect understanding for to know when that would be, when he can when it's right, when it's the best thing, when it's the right thing, when it's the morally appropriate thing um, to take a human life, no matter who or what that was. Um, And that's, that's, we're not comfortable with that, but it, it also turns out to be the case. Like when God sends in other humans to kill humans, that is perfectly well within his prerogative and within his understanding Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, he'd be the only being who would have that understanding um, is to know now would be the time to do that. So something this is what people struggle with is in the same way that it would be sinful for me to stab you with a knife. It would not be sinful for a surgeon to stab you with that Mm -hmm. knife because the surgeon knows what they're doing, how they're doing it. They're doing it for a greater purpose. It serves some value that maybe we don't understand. And Um, it even
1: changes whether or not that act would be evil, potentially. Sin.
2: That's exactly right. And so now there's a way I might could be trying to do certain, like you could make all kinds of cases about this. And that's not what I'm trying to do. Just from a category. This is only a category perspective. And I don't ever want to. Um, and I think we talked about this some um, with Catherine that we don't we don't ever want to like equate dentistry with suicide. That's oh, not what right, we do. Right, right, right. Um, right. You're just you're just saying category. Giving us a,
0: yeah, giving us a and word we're not picture even saying God caused,
1: Yeah, ca- caused the hard things in her life. We were just talking about more of like how could hard things happen and God still be good is kind of where this came from, right?
2: Exactly. Exactly. Mm and and i think that is a uh, uh, one it's a super healthy conversation like there's absolutely mm-hmm. nothing wrong with the questions and the difficulties and but if we're going to talk about them this is this is part of how we have to talk about it is are there can we see that there are times and ways that things that normally seem bad normally seem evil and that under some circumstances would even be sinful are not under other circumstances. And God is the one who understands exactly what the circumstances are. And he he understands the consequences of not having war on the Amalekites. And he understands the consequences of having war on the Amalekites. And he doesn't give the Jewish people the authority to just declare war whenever they want to. In fact, that's forbidden. But he does at times, he instructs them to. And I understand the confusion for people who say, so it's OK for God to do it and not OK for me to do it. And in one sense, like, the answer is that a is, double
1: standard. Yeah, right.
2: And, and in one st- one sense, the answer is yes. Yes, it could be OK for God to instruct. Some, but that's not weird to us. There's a lot but it's of not examples him being of that.
1: Inconsistent or untruthful in some way.
2: No, in the same way that it's OK for me to watch a movie that it's not OK for my child to watch. Or yeah. it's okay for the surgeon to cut with a knife in a way that it's not okay for me to.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so it, it is not necessary. Now you it can be, it can be hypocritical. It can be a double standard, but that doesn't mean it has to be. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like we have a good answer and a good understanding biblically of this being, being something that's appropriate for God to do. Yeah. Um, But
1: like we talked about in the last or that episode, specifically the debrief, that doesn't change how difficult a conversation is and the emotional effect it has on us. Right. And I think it's valuable, like you said, to recognize like we have all had to wrestle with this. Mm-hmm. You know, often more than once in our life when those things happen that we don't understand, mm-hmm. um, right. or that are hardest and darkest, and mm-hmm. so I think Cause it's like, yeah, the, just because we intellectually, like even Catherine said, like intellectually, yeah, I know a lot of these arguments, but mm-hmm. then when it comes down to how it affects life and how it affects, um, me interpreting the things that have been hardest in my life, like that's when it, it gets difficult, and
2: um, absolutely, yeah.
1: So then really quick
2: to just do we, do we feel like we, I just want to make sure we often we I mean, do we feel like we've covered this, that the bad and I'm sure we'll come back to it again. This is a, this is not a new topic. Uh, it's, it's a very, very old one, but is there a, are, are we in a position to, f- to feel like it's okay to, to move on or do we need to unpack it a little further? This, I'm even curious about the idea of bad. Well, I was, that's, that was my next question
1: is like defining, um, sins, the sin aspect of it specifically, like just clarifying, but can I summarize, can I summarize like in my own words, what we've said so far and see if if I'm accurate, (laughs) because that might be helpful. I don't know if I was a listener, I think, um, summarizing to make sure I understand because sometimes, you know, when we talk about things at length, it's like, okay, wait, let's go back to the beginning. So yes. We would say biblically that God did not create evil; He created good, and then He created free will and freedom. Um, and I then, I would say God
2: is good, and He oh, is good. Free. Clarification: Yes. So it exists because He exists.
1: Right. He is good, and gave humans free agency. Right, And then when they chose not his best and not good, then they were choosing evil. Right. And then we believe that God allows evil in the world because of that, that free choice. And also because he brings redemption and works in ways we don't understand. And then also we would say that, whether or not he causes evil. (laughs) This is the part that's hard to summarize. Um, Okay. We would say that there are things that in some situations we would call evil, but if God allows them, or excuse me, causes them, then because we don't understand the bigger picture, it is possible that in that situation, him causing them is not evil. Is that a good I would, summary? I, would, I don't know.
2: I think that's, except for the last little bit, I would add this. There's almost okay. nothing behaviorally that you would say this behavior, and it may be that nothing. So I'm going to say almost nothing because, you know, there, yeah. there may be an example I'm not thought of, but that there's nothing behaviorally that is always evil.
1: Right. Okay. Good. And so
2: and so there are conditions under which any behavior um, so I can drive a car off a car lot. That's the behavior. Um, maybe I'm just making something like going with something. I could be right. stealing that car. That would be bad. I could have bought that car. That would be that would be fine. The mm-hmm. behavior I could kill a human being. It could be in defense of someone. It could be in war. Potentially it could be. Um, something like that. And, and, or even an accidental death, I could be trying to save their life and, and, and accidentally kill them instead. Those would, mm-hmm. those would all be morally potentially appropriate times for me to kill someone. Right. And mm-hmm. so that's the same kind of thing. So there, the, the idea is I'm not sure that it is that there are times when it's okay for it, It's as simple as, and even though I, I said it kind of this way, Yes, it is true that there are times when it's okay, not sinful for God to do something that it might be sinful for us to do. Accepting worship Mm -hmm. is a great example of that. Um, It's okay for him to accept worship. It would be sinful for us to accept worship. But in the same way, the truth is most of those things, it's okay. There are times when we could do it and it Mm -hmm. not be sinful. There are conditions under which we could do it and it would not be sinful. That's why we give words to like, Um, We give a word to the sinful act. Kill is the behavior. Murder is the act. Mm -hmm. And so murder is always morally wrong. Killing Mm -hmm. is not always morally wrong because murder means killing under the conditions that are morally wrong. Like Mm -hmm. that's what murder murder means. We've we've lost some of that. People will say that they're like, oh, you know, in this there was this war going on and, you know, 6,000 people were murdered. Like, I mean, they died in combat. Mm-hmm. We don't know if that was justifiable or not, mm-hmm. but you can't just assume all death in war is murder. Some death in right. war may be murder, but anyway. It's, so I, I know that's a little tough, but well, I think I feel it's the like same a lot thing. Of, God just has a the perfect our, condition; yeah, he understands perfectly mm-hmm. when something would be morally inappropriate and when it wouldn't, and he's mm-hmm. he's perfect at it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then you have the the other side of that of of him allowing things that are really hard for us and, and cause a lot of pain and grief. And then the the aspect of questioning his character of like, he's allowed something that, that with all my being, I wish it never happened. You know,
2: Mm -hmm. I think, Um, I think what we're doing under those conditions and, um, I was going to say appropriately. And I guess in one sense, it's certainly not appropriate. But in a one ser- what we're doing is we're questioning his decision making.
1: Right. Right. So
2: we we all allow bad things to happen to people. We, we all do that. There yeah. are times that we could keep something bad from happening to somebody and we don't stop it. Um, if that's the case, even if even if we don't have the perfect viewpoint, we all do that at times. And so Mm -hmm. if that's the case, then we acknowledge there are times when when we think it's okay to let somebody um, struggle or suffer and Mm -hmm. we don't make it go away. What we're saying is, uh, I just think God chose poorly here. Yeah. Like it was one of those times that God should have stepped in and he didn't step in. Mm -hmm. And none of us want God to always step in. I don't think we do Um, because there are times we're, we want to make decisions that we don't want him to step in on.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And so I think, I think all of us would say, yeah, sometimes sometimes especially (laughs) poor ones. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, So, yeah, I think, I think that's a, I think we all acknowledge there's a time and place for that. We just disagree with him on when that is. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a sense in which like, okay, i mean god i'm I'm not on the same I'm not on the same page from my perspective. that seems like a wrong call mhm that but I get that you have a different perspective that I can't even wrap my brain around mhm, and so yeah. I trust that you have yeah. the right perspective,
1: yeah, and I think one of the things that I've talked about a lot with friends going through really dark times and even our students as we teach them is also while teaching that also teaching or encouraging each other with the fact that, um, God has grace and patience for our questions. Because I think sometimes when we logically go through the answers of like, well, and we believe this and this and this, sometimes it's okay to also say, and it's okay that you express like, you don't have to fully be on the same page about this with God and scripture to come to God with those questions. And I think Sometimes. And as the capital C church, we present that un, um, unintentionally of like, okay, these are the answers. And so this is how you have to come to God. And it's like, no, our relationship with God is much can be much deeper than that. And he already knows what we're thinking. And so I tell students all the time, like you can come to him with your questions, with your anger. Like we see people in scripture that did it all the time. I mean, David, (laughs) all of the Psalms. And so I think that's a helpful side note for me when I'm walking through hard things or encouraging friends of just knowing, yes, we know this to be true, but also if you are not convinced of it yet, or you are convinced of it and your emotions aren't lining up with truth. Like it's okay to come to God with that. Like he, you don't have to mm-hmm. fully have been like, yes, I know you're good and that you're all powerful and this is going to work out for my better, you know, like all of those mm-hmm. things. If your emotions are not in that point, it's okay to right. come to God in, in a place of still wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm um, not feeling
2: it. I, I absolutely totally. Yeah. And again, um, we want to be, he is God. And there was an episode way back that Chris Sherrod and I did that, we want to be respectful. Right. We should be respectful. He is God. But that but he has also shown himself like you said quite clearly in scripture that he he also um is very able to handle our questions and our even even condemnations. I mean there are times when in the psalms and in other passages when I mean there's are just flat out uh, you know almost like God you blew it here and I'm mm-hmm. I'm really unhappy about it and you you promised me this and you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And now those people typically come back and realize, you know, somewhere around halfway through the psalm, they go, you know, now, now I'm going to speak the truth.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And and the truth is, I know he is, but man, I don't, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I, ahead,
0: I just had a, I just had a quick question because we've talked about this. And the past is like when when someone is walking through a season of grief. It may not be the best op- option to just kind of hit them with, "Well, God let this happen." And oh, totally, you know, <laughs> yeah.
2: right? And yeah, so, good
0: clarifying comment. Um, <laughs> what you know, whether or not that is true, and so not not saying, "Well, don't tell the truth." Don't do that. Of Obviously, course. we talk about um, you know telling the truth in love with gentleness, right? But.
2: You That's know, from Ephesians for, four, for speaking the truth in love,
0: speaking the truth in love. Exactly.
2: That's maturity is the ability to speak the truth in love.
0: So from your perspective, Chris um, and Bren, you can chime in as well. But we're, when, I, when I consider what Catherine was saying about the grief of losing a loved one um, and, and then people just coming up with pithy things, yeah. mm-hmm. What, because of what we know about God, you know, and, and and it could be uh, grief walking through something evil that has happened. You know, th- people who are grieving somebody who has been murdered right. or whatever. What are, um, for our listeners who, you know, who are maybe going through something now or walking through a season with somebody who's, you know, I, I just think of, you know, really hard situations where it's like you have young kids and, and one of the parents is ill, you know, diagnosed with something that is right. really hard what how do you counsel those people because i think it would be valuable for people who are believers listening to hear okay these are the people who know the truth and this is how we can come alongside other people and then for somebody who's like i'm really skeptical uh but has maybe heard some pithy responses right mm-hmm. uh to hear maybe some more just um compassionate responses to to those things cuz we're not saying because what I'm hearing you guys saying is it doesn't mean that these things aren't hard and right. the emotions aren't there and that these, these don't feel evil and, a, and an attack. And sometimes it can feel like God is attacking you. That is not, you know, that's the, an emotive response. Absolutely. And so what are. And that's not
2: unique. Yeah. I think yes, most yes, yes. humans, most humans, if we're willing to be honest about it, have felt that. We have we have asked that question. Where mm-hmm. are you? Right, mm-hmm. and and I I don't think that's um, I don't think there's anything inappropriate about that. Again, I'm trying to take that from the modeling of Scripture. I know that, like we've said, not everything that's in the Scripture is proscriptive. It's not something we're supposed to do. Right, but but I think I think the the the, the honesty of these psalmists and others, um, even Jesus Himself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that you would say, yeah, I'm. Where are you? I don't, I'm not, I don't sense your presence. I don't see your hand. I don't think you're working. Um, Mm -hmm. I think most of us have, have felt that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I certainly Mm -hmm. have. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and so uh, feeling it and, and knowing the truth, those don't cancel Mm -hmm. each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not like
0: these are mutually exclusive. Yeah. Gosh, I wish
2: my feelings only connected with what I knew to (laughs) be true. That'd be cool. Um, That's true. Um, but that that doesn't apply to any other area of my life. True. I don't know why it would suddenly apply <laughs> yeah. here? Yeah. Um, that my of course I feel that, and as a loving friend, I'm more than happy for someone to talk through what they're feeling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and to listen to them talk about what they're feeling, and and to hear that and experience that, and and even to one degree or another join them in that. Um, I mean, I, I have certainly been frustrated at God on behalf of someone else when they tell me about their life experience. And I'm thinking, where were you? Where mm-hmm. were you, God? I don't I don't get this. This this one seems like one that you should have stepped in on. Yeah. Now, I'm not actually trying to call him into account. I don't think I have that authority or right. You know that I again, I I think my I see myself as like a, you know, someone standing over a surgeon going, no, nah, you shouldn't have cut that. Like. I know that I don't have the position or the understanding, but, but that doesn't mean I can't feel it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that I don't think it. And so I don't see any reason to hide that in the midst of, of in, in the end, you know, I was, I was quoting to uh, my daughter last night, Psalm 56. I think it's verse three that says, when I am afraid, I will trust in the Lord. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I love that. It's like, there's nothing about, I will stop being afraid. Like yeah. not, <laughs> when I'm afraid, I will trust in the Lord. That's mm-hmm. um, the assumption Courage is not the
1: lack of fear. That's right.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, I, I am afraid. I do feel isolated. I do feel alone. Yeah. And my, so I turn to him asking him to let me experience something different. But mm. but when it comes to our emotions, I don't know that he promises that this side of eternity. I, th- I mm-hmm. think someone can feel alone or feel isolated or feel afraid. And that doesn't make him a liar. Now, again, I go back to like, I, I wish he would do it differently, but I don't understand. I don't understand well enough to know
1: mm-hmm. why he
2: would allow certain things and not allow certain things. Um, so you're saying when it to comes that.
1: Well, sorry. So when you're saying when it comes to people coming to you with hard things in their life, like sitting with them in the emotion of it and Mm -hmm. hearing their story would be your first your
2: first response. I don't I don't think our bad emotions are necessarily something that need to be fixed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that'd be really cool if if Christians could understand better is that. Emotions, even uncomfortable emotions, aren't something that have to be changed. Hmm. Um, Me being afraid doesn't mean I need to figure out how to not be afraid. Um, Like that's not, that's not, I need to feel, I may need to feel afraid. Hmm. Um, Of course, I want those to eventually go away, but I'm not, I'm not under the belief that somehow the fact that I feel afraid is a sin that I need to stop, stop sinning. Mm. Um, I I think I may just be feeling afraid and I need to figure out why I feel afraid. And maybe I have some belief systems that are untrue or unkind or, um, even false, in which case, yeah, I, I need to learn how to change those. I need to believe, you know, one of my goals is to believe the truth. I think that's good for all of us mm-hmm. to have that as a goal and to not believe things that aren't true. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would, I think we listen. listen. Um, I think we, we sit with, we sit there with people knowing that there, there is something that they can trust in that is true. Um, And we can wait until the moment is appropriate to talk about that side of this as well. Those again, because we don't believe they cancel each other out.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think if you believed they canceled each other out, you would have to be really afraid of that. Mm hmm. But going, yeah, I'm afraid, and I trust in the Lord. Yeah. Like those, I don't see those as contradictory.
0: So, speaking of contradictions, then, well, what? can I or say no, one more oh, thing yeah, before go, you Oh yeah, go no, jump. go for it, Brent. <laughs> um,
1: Sorry. Well, I just nice try I think on the such... segue. <laughs> no, it's such a good segue. I just had
3: one <laughs> I'm going to <more> edit <laughs> this part out anyway. <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> go for it. Um, no, I just was going to say I think that is such a good point because one of the things that I think we've talked about in the past, but I think often our culture leans so heavily into even empathy, like beyond sympathy, just empathy for people that it takes away. It tries to take away any place for someone to speak truth, um, into someone else. But then I think sometimes we go to the opposite extreme in the church where we feel the burden to speak truth and to, um, speak truth about who God is. And even, even truth that we feel like will fix things or somehow make it better. And not that there's not a place for that. Like you're saying, we are called to speak the truth in love. But when it comes to something hard that people are going through, I think sometimes we skip the, just listening and sitting with people and, right. um, and we skip to the fixing of, like you're saying, we even try to fix the emotion right. and in our, in our weak sometimes, um, you know, way of lacking discernment, we skip to speaking truth in a way that, that isn't filled with wisdom. And, and we don't go to the Lord to ask us, or ask him like Lord, give me wisdom in this situation, help me to know when to speak and when to listen. We just immediately assume, well, I need to speak the truth and or I need to help fix this emotion and and I think there's a lot of damage that has been done by believers who have spoken the truth but but without wisdom or discernment that's coming from the Lord. They're doing it in their own strength right. and I think that that does a lot of harm to people specifically who are are going through hard things, but that's just a thought I
2: had while you were talking. Yeah, I agree with that. I I think that's a real a real issue that we have. And and none of this, so again, we've said it, none of none of these conversations even when we can rationally wrap our brains around the idea that there are conditions under which these things could be okay and could carry with them great positive in the long run.
1: Yeah.
2: That doesn't mean that it's not really hard and that it's not would not always you know jumping to the logical coherence of an argument is not always going to be the most helpful, but i I will tell you i this what we were just saying a minute ago i I would love love for us to be known even in the church as people who don't see emotions as something meant to guide mm. to dictate truth or to to be not not ultimate guide. they don't dictate truth, and they aren't something that has to be fixed therefore Mm -hmm. um and so if if and and again i really feel like that's what i see in scripture is that people have the emotions and they don't feel like it has to be fixed and they they just they turn in the midst of their emotion they turn to the lord
3: Mm -hmm. and
2: and so when when i'm excited then i can you know shout to the Lord. And when I am despairing, then I can call on the Lord. And it's kind of like, again, the example in, in, uh, that we see in the first Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 about, you know, with the, with the body of Christ, when, when we are, when we rejoice, we all rejoice. And when we suffer, we all suffer Mm -hmm. like, Again, it's not like we're pretending like we're, we're not supposed to be somehow pretending like, well, we're never going to suffer. Like, mm-hmm. No, no, not only is that the case, that's part of why we're here mm-hmm. because we know we will. So, um, yeah, and, and here's the deal. So I always feel like at the end of this conversation, you've got someone who's going to say it just shouldn't be this hard. It just shouldn't be this hard to understand this. Like, yeah. this should be just this should be simple. And one Uh, the part of why I'm a Christian is because the Christian answer is not some simple answer because I don't think that would reflect reality. Mm -hmm. Now I don't know why God did it the way he did it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I am happy to acknowledge. Why didn't he start with this new heaven and new earth that he's going to create someday where, where there is freedom without sin and there is, You know, there is, there are these things, if that's a correct understanding. And the answer is, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it has to do with the fact that he wanted us to, he wanted to be able to teach us the concept of redemption, Mm -hmm. that, that, that was so important to him for us to see that he loves us so much. He would redeem us Mm -hmm. that he had to give us the opportunity to rebel first so that he could then redeem us. But that's supposition. I don't, I don't know. I don't Mm -hmm. know why God did it the way he did it. Um, I do trust that he knows what he's doing, even when I don't understand it. And that is a step that I understand that some people are going to have a hard time taking.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally.
2: There you go.
0: Sweet. Great. Well, I know that there's, I mean, I'm sure there's more that we will eventually talk about on this topic. If you have any questions um, regarding this topic, regarding the problem of evil, obviously we've done other uh, podcasts on that, but if there's something that you're like, you know what, I just have this nagging question and I, I would love for somebody to, to discuss it, please shoot us an email or a text if you're close to us, or just stop us if you see us. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up. Trust God. Search for answers.